0: But what I can say is the more granular you get, because there's going to be, if you're just getting into this, you're going to have 500 ideas of stuff that would work, 500 ideas. And one might be like 2% better than another thing. Just pick whatever you pick and you apply your focus to is the thing that's the best thing that you can do right? So don't worry about the other 499 things. Pick the one thing you like the most and get super granular. And that's the only reason you're going to see an opportunity like, like I happen to. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talley, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do
1: the same. Here is your host, Annette Talley. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talley, and my guest today is Mandy McAllister. Welcome, Mandy.
0: Thank you, Annette. I'm pleased to be here
1: i am so excited to have you i love featuring women that are crushing it in real estate so thank you for being here but let me tell you a little bit about mandy she has been an entrepreneur since she was 12 years old her expertise includes repositioning underperforming assets to increase cash flow and value her portfolio is currently comprised of 152 doors primarily b-class workforce at workforce Housing. She has been found successful in college towns with students, housing, as well as urban centers. Her passion is to inspire others and help define their path to financial freedom, which is why she focused and she founded on Aspiring Women Achieving More. That's your Facebook group, right? Yes, it is, and how we met. <laughs> yes, so check it out. Um, Mandy's business career began in medical device sales where she was a perennial top performer. After many years of chasing commission, she has made made it her mission to secure financial freedom for her family and others. That is awesome. Oh, I love thanks. that you were a businesswoman already when you were 12 years old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I sewed scrunchies to all of the surrounding like volleyball teams and cheerleading squads so they could all match. It's-
1: Did you make them or did you just buy them and sell
0: them? Oh, no, I sewed them. I I would go to Walmart and I would buy yards of fabric and elastic. So, I mean, in this COVID thing, it's been kind of nice that I remember how to sew a little bit because you need a mask. You let me know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So tell me, how did you get into real estate? Yeah. So uh,
0: in college, actually, I remember being at a party on a patio and um, a girlfriend was explaining to me that her dad bought the house that we were in and she was renting out all of the rooms to our friends, our sorority sisters. And I'm like, that is the best stinking idea I've ever heard in my whole life. Cause she always had money on Saturday night. It was just, it was a, a brilliant idea. So then college finished, I moved to Chicago and it's kind of a cost prohibitive city to invest in. And everybody convinced me that uh, you need to buy your own place to live before you start investing in real estate. And I, Listened, you know. So, um, if I had had one thing I wish I could tell younger Mandy, it's that no, you can dive in uh, without owning what you live in. And um, after a bunch of years of uh, saving for that condo, I finally got into it and then consumed as much information as I possibly could on investing. And, you know, it was really only, gosh, four years ago that I got in, uh, I call it going pro, that I went really uh, deep. Into investing.
1: Okay. So that's, that's a, a short time. You have 152 doors. So it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of it has to do with syndication and working with partners and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, I've had an opportunity to, I've had my toe in water in a bunch of different uh, types of, of acquis, acquisitions. And I, I definitely have my, my favorites and my opinions.
1: Okay, cool.
0: The deal. All
1: right. So, what deal do you want to talk about today? Yeah, I want to talk about my first
0: fourplex uh, because I, I think it set the stage and it's, it really subscribes deeply to what I most believe in is valuable in real estate investment.
1: All right. So, where? Uh, what well, so it's a, What type of a class asset is it? Well, it's a it's a it's a fourplex, so it's a, I guess considered residential, right? Is it a, an, in an A location, B or C?
0: So it's in a college town. It's um, roughly let's say a mile. I when I think college town A, B, C, I think distance from campus. Mm-hmm. So if it's right on campus, it's an A. If you can walk within a mile, I think it's a B. If it's further out, I'd say C. So uh, I'd say it's probably a B. A
1: B, awesome. Yeah. All right. And do you rent it by the room or do you rent the apartments? Because some college, like, mm-hmm. they do like the student housing where they just yeah. do the beds or the rooms. It's
0: Well, it, it's, uh, they're all one bedrooms. So it, both actually. But the way my property manager works is it, it's by bed.
1: By bed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's cash flowing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. So how did you find this deal?
0: So oh, I think the biggest tip, if I have one, is the finding the market, the, the choosing where to focus, because if you have no focus, then you're going to keep spinning your wheels. So I, I decided I wanted to be within two hours of Chicago, because it's, you know, you can't, I don't think Chicago makes sense, and I still don't. Um, but two hours away, I looked at all the colleges in the area. And I don't think kids are going to stop going to college even after this whole Virus outbreak thing, um, and I I just drove down and I interviewed a bunch of property managers and I found that two of them branded themselves as if you're a kid at Illinois State University, you're going to call one of these two property managers to go look for an apartment. And I talked to both of them and I really loved what one of them had to say. And one thing that I didn't realize that it was like an accidental great thing is uh most in, in illinois in most states you have to have a real estate license in order to manage property so they had agents with mls access and they were able to you know help me start looking and they they're you know incentivized to help me because they know that i'm choosing them as soon as we find it so i went through that agent there
1: awesome so oh. would you, would you use a property manager um, that has also a license. So if you find a property, then they get the commission. Yep, exactly. So she she looks real hard for me. (laughs) Awesome. So this was an MLS, um, listing, correct? Yeah. What was the listing price? Your, your mind is going to be blown here.
0: So, um, let me maybe take one baby step back here. So, uh, this originally was listed as just a, um, Uh, an unfurnished rental that anybody off the street would would rent but it was in the middle of um, Where a bunch of student rentals were so it wasn't being used to its highest and best uh, Potential use so it was uh, being rented at four hundred dollars a month per one bedroom Because it was unfurnished and it was going for hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Can you believe that fourplex in 2016 was going for one hundred twenty thousand dollars.
1: That's incredible. That's thirty thousand a unit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, so when when you saw that one, you just did you negotiate or you just got it because the price? was I got high? it.
0: Like, yeah, because I saw that there, you know, you pay for the value, right? And I saw that there was way more upside than they were capturing because I knew from working with my property manager that the stuff they were renting one bedrooms across the street, they were running for 700 because somebody bought a bed and a desk. You know what I mean? So I knew that I could hundred percent make the numbers work and, you know, be cash flowing through my ears if I, you know, paid list price.
1: All right. So how much did you spend on each unit for furniture, for example? Great question. Uh, so
0: it ended up being, um, we did some painting and some real light lift. It ended up being about $5,000 per unit. It was 5,200, I think, if memory serves. But um, again, I got to use the sourcing through my property manager because they buy everything in bulk. They Basically, they showed me that these are the dressers that we buy in bulk, and these are the couches we buy in bulk. And I picked. A, B, and C, you know, so it was easy to keep costs down.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And that's the advantage to use a property manager that is doing the market that you're focusing on, right? Because if you yeah. went to a different pro- property manager that was doing year long rentals, they didn't have all these uh, sourcing that your mm-hmm. property manager had. So it is very important to use a property manager that focuses on what you're doing specifically. And the asking of questions
0: of that, you know, because I, I mean, it wasn't until I said, hey, you know, how do you acquire yours that I gained access to be able to, to buy what they buy? So, you know, just know if they're doing what you want to do,
1: no question is dumb. Exactly. All right. So how did you fund it? How did you what, how did you pay for it? I mean, it was (laughs) $120,000.
0: So, I mean, I I just bought it on a residential loan. My ultimate goal in buying that um, was it was going to be my kid's college education. So he was born within like a month or two of that purchase going through. My thought was that, you know, have it on a 15-year note and I'm going to pay that off or my renters are going to pay that off within uh, 15 years, my kiddo will be 18 going to college and I'll be able to put a new note on it. And then whatever I'm able to pull out, that's what he's gonna be able to spend on college. And really it only cost me the $20,000 down payment to make that happen.
1: Wow, that is an amazing return on your money. (laughs) So what did you end up renting your apartments for? You, You said that the neighboring ones were like 700. Mm-hmm, so
0: uh, my property manager is amazing at staying on top of what we are able to get. And I actually um, am fully leased up for this uh, coming school year, and I have been for like six months. We're up to, um, so if, if kids do the full year lease, they get a little bit of a break on rent, but many kids only want to rent for nine months of the year. So mm-hmm. if they do that, we charge an additional $50 because we're risking the two months being vacant. Um, I think we're, I think the highest rent we're getting right now is $825 uh, wow. on one of those situations where it's a nine month lease, but the rest of them are, are 795 So, and this was just three years ago, four years ago that it was being rented at $400 a unit just because it's been repositioned.
1: Wow. Wow. Amazing. So you have to like, look at the market and what others are doing and compare the rents because you Mm -hmm. saw that opportunity that they, they, maybe they didn't want to deal with the students, but then you, you know, you were willing to do that. So they say in in real estate, you have to be willing to do what others don't want to do. Right. And I'll tell you too, that these are
0: all like things that a hundred people have said. I'm not saying stuff that's breaking ground or anything but what I can say is the more granular you get because there's going to be if you're just getting into this you're going to have 500 ideas of stuff that would work 500 ideas and one might be like two percent better than another thing just pick what whatever you pick and you apply your focus to is the thing that's the best thing that you can do right? So don't worry about the other 499 things. Pick the one thing you like the most and get super granular. And that's the only reason you're going to see uh, an opportunity like, like I happen to.
1: Right, exactly. All right. So what are you planning to do with, I think you kind of mentioned um, your exit strategy already. You are going to uh, keep it for the long term and then refinance at 15 years.
0: I want to, I I am an investor who buys and holds forever if the asset makes sense. You know, I am uh, currently getting out of some of my luxury stuff that I've got because I don't think that that makes sense for long term. But in almost every sense, when I acquire something, I acquire it to hold forever like Warren Buffett.
1: (laughs) Awesome. And I am the same way too. Um, I like to keep them for a long time. So that's good. All right. So what would you say was the most (laughs) <laughs> thing going into student housing because I looked into it briefly and I was mm-hmm. thinking I don't really want to deal with the amount of turnover that you have mm-hmm. in student housing but from your perspective uh, what did you find that was the most challenging part so of-
0: from my perspective I hear a lot of fellow investors say that I don't want to like the, these kids are going to tear up my apartments and I don't want to mess with the turnover and blah you know what I mean but again that's like something that I think has Opportunity in it because so many people have already talked themselves out of it, right? Uh, and I'll tell you too, part of the reason for acquiring a one-bedroom asset is because I found that more graduate students are drawn to these furnished one bedrooms rather than a two or a four or a frat house, you know. So if you if you're getting an MBA, you're way less likely to be throwing keggers than you know if you're. A freshman, you know? So, um, in terms of biggest obstacles, I mean, I lean so heavily on my property manager, many of my other assets, the property managers, the communication isn't as good. The, um, you know, going above and beyond the pricing of units, the, you know, not executing leases the way that they're written. So I, if you find a property manager that you can rely on, it's gold hold on to them and double down i want to double down in this market that i don't love i i don't like investing in illinois but i want to buy more stuff because i like working with these guys and they're they're really good at
1: it you know hold on to
0: those property managers
1: absolutely so how how much do you communicate with them so for people that never use a property manager that they are managing themselves and they don't like it or that people that want to get into it, but they, they are scared mm-hmm. about the managing mm-hmm. component of, the, of real estate. Uh, what are the, how, how often do you communicate mm-hmm. and, you know, tell me about that. So early on,
0: I communicated a lot. Um, I, I mean, I wanted a, I had a fourplex and they managed thousands of units and I wanted, you know, I just want an email. You know, every two weeks, just to know how rehab is going, how lease up is going. Just keep me in the loop, and I felt so taken care of by them that then the kind of uh, monthly that turned into monthly, it turned into quarterly, and then I got so spoiled with how well they performed that subsequent relationships with property managers, I, I didn't check up on them as much as I should have because I was spoiled, you know. And I, if I have <clears throat> learning from mistakes i've made for everybody it's you know resting on my laurels of these guys are great and i trust this guy and i really like him so i know he'll be good too well maybe that's not the case you you really do need to hold some hands a little bit at the beginning and you know you're a client you know you they, they want you to be a raving fan so you know they should give you a little like an email is not a lot to ask so Really, you know, do your homework before and, you know, don't be
1: scared to ask for a little bit of
0: your asset.
1: Right. I hear a lot, uh, you know, on the larger units that they get like a um, monthly report for rents. But when you're dealing with a small four unit, I mean, you're Mm -hmm. probably going to have a little bit. But once you're full, like there there is really not a lot to report unless people are breaking their lease. So how often do you get the reports? Well, the financial reports. Uh,
0: all of the property managers that I go with, I want to make sure that they have some sort of a, a accounting system or something. So usually it's Appfolio. So I have a portal to log in to be able to um, see what's happening in terms of collections and bills and things like that. Um, so I get the financial reporting kind of in an automated fashion. But in terms of having a one-on-one discussion, um, you know, right now only if something is out of the ordinary. Like for instance, the really good property manager at ISU, I asked to be made aware if a purchase is, if anything is more than $1,000, like just run it past me. And if I look at a bank account, when I reconcile things at the end of the month and I see something more than $1,000, I just send a quick email like, hey, what is this? And oh, by the way, will you please tell me when it's over $1,000, like we talked about. That super rarely happens, but it's it's just as needed, I guess.
1: Right. And you know, this is my curiosity. How often do you have to replace furniture when you are dealing with student housing? Yeah, so that's widely variant. Um, It's
0: been, so I bought it in 2016, 2020, I think I bought one new couch and that's it. So the um, property manager, I think they said that roughly every five to seven years, depending on what it is, but I mean, it's, these are graduate students.
1: These aren't, they're not, you know, jumping on bed. Yeah, yeah. even maybe like uh, teachers, right? If they are single and they are renting, they could also rent, uh, you know, the, or the um, teacher's helpers. Um, uh, right, the PAs and- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they are probably wanna be by themselves and not sharing an apartment with other students that are like partying. Right, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Expert tips. All right. So now we go to the part of the show where you're going to give me three expert tips. And Mandy is going to give us three tips on using your time efficiently.
0: Yes. So I am a single mom with a uh, kind of an arduous day job. I sell medical devices and I you know, help doctors decide when patients need long-term monitoring for their hearts. And uh, I do this. You know, so I'm trying to build my financial freedom, and I'll tell you, it's easy to get overwhelmed. So, the, these three things are strategies that I've employed to not freak out because I'm trying to do too much. So, um, my first one is I, I sit down on Sunday evening and I plan my week, and just to kind of have a little bit of an idea of, all right, this is, this is going to be my focus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you too, that if I time block my time when my phone is off and I am completely just, you know, focused on my kid jumping on the trampoline, then I feel like my connection with my kid is better, you know, because I'm not distracted looking at my phone. I've got these two hours to be totally engaged. So if you're if you're a parent, especially if you're a single parent, I really would challenge you to to consider that. So first one, plan your week in advance. And second, the way I kind of do that is I um, I time block and just kind of this rudimentary thing that I I drew up. It's um, just uh, off Excel, if you can see it on the camera. It's just individual. It's just hour by hour. That, okay, I know from 730 to 9am, I'm talking with Annette on Zoom, you know, and then I can switch my focus to my day job because I've just given myself a little bit of a framework so that I know when to switch my focus so that it's not spread too thin. I found that I'm much more effective when I know I'm thinking about one thing only. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my last thing is, you know, the miracle morning, I tried to do it. It's just, it's so much. You know, to as my four-year-old sometimes, you know, mommy, I I gotta go potty. You know, like you're, there's no way that I'm gonna get in an hour and a half. Oh
1: uh, you're saying something so true because you know I try to do the miracle morning, and I'm still trying. I'm trying again actually. I'm starting this week, but- and uh, my kids would wake up at like if I woke up at six, they would wake up at six. If I woke up at five, they would wake up at five. So it was like a never.
0: <laughs> it's like a heat-seeking missile. They know. Yeah. <laughs> But so like, and I would beat myself up over it. Like, why can't I do this? Like, no, like that's silly. Like, that's not what this, that's not the purpose behind the miracle morning. The purpose behind the miracle morning is to feel centered. And you know, like you have steps set up so that you can win the day, you know, like to, so what I do is I've, um, I plug my phones in across the room so that number one, that makes me fall asleep quicker because I, I can't, you know, play around with Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And uh, then in the morning, I don't touch those phones and I have my clothes set out and I do like, it's literally like seven minutes of Tabata exercise when I, uh, and, and I'll tell you like the days that I subscribe to that, then I just wake up and have a couple of moments in my bed of gratitude, thinking about the things that I'm, I, I'm, I, I live such an incredible life. I'm so grateful, you know, just thinking through a couple of things, uh, and then doing my seven minutes of exercise. If my kid's not awake, then I've, I've completely won the day and I can keep my focus on what my plan was and really feel fulfilled at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and, and you can complement that with everything you're doing because a lot of times, for example, I want to exercise, but then I know I have an interview later, and then if I mm-hmm. exercise, I have to take a shower, do my hair, like, and then you don't have the time to do it because you and when you plan your entire week, then you know, okay, I can do this because I'm gonna have this many hours mm-hmm. to, to do the next. So, I am also in the process of doing that. I've never done the time blocking, I've mm-hmm. already started doing my planning my week ahead of time, uh, which is. I feel that when I do that, my week go. I accomplish so much more. Yes, it's incredible. And, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it might be because you're seeing it, mm-hmm. you know, and you're more organized, and it's like right in front of you. But I think it's, you know, it makes a big difference.
0: Absolutely. I'll share this uh, little Excel thing with you if you want, and we can share it with everybody please. else too. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I love it. Thank you so much, Mandy, for being with us. Uh, tell, tell everybody, where can they find you and tell them about your group? Yes, thank
0: you. I, it's been so great to be here. You're just, you're such a, a bright, shining light. So thank you thank for you. having me. Uh, so Aspiring Women Achieving More is on Facebook. Just search for us there. It's a public group. Anybody can find it. Um, we'll put... I'll provide a link that we can add here. Yes. The easiest way to um, get a hold of me is either on Facebook or my email is mandy at mandy Awesome.
1: Thank you so much for being here and for adding so much value to my audience. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye guys.
0: This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Tully Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.tullyinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.